The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Of her was born Jesus, who is called the Christ. Now this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. When his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found with child through the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, since he was a righteous man, yet unwilling to expose her to shame, decided to divorce her quietly. Such was his intention when, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, into your home. For it is through the Holy Spirit that this child has been conceived in her. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. When Joseph awoke, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took his wife into his home. The Gospel of the Lord. How we name things is very, very important. And how we name this day has a particular importance, a particular sharpness to it. Today is not the Feast of St. Joseph. It is the Feast of St. Joseph, the spouse of the Virgin Mary. It is not the Feast of Joseph the Carpenter. It is not the feast of Joseph, the foster father of Jesus. It is not the feast of Joseph, the guardian of the church. It is the feast of Joseph, the spouse of the Virgin Mary. The one man who we celebrate liturgically under the title of husband. That's absolutely remarkable. There are married couples who have been canonized together that we celebrate, but we don't say, for example, for the parents of St. Therese, so-and-so the husband of and so-and-so the wife of. We simply give their names, assuming that we know that they're a married couple. And yet here, the title, the aspect of holiness that we celebrate is precisely his status as a husband. Even in the case of the parents of the Virgin Mary, Saints Joachim and Anne, we don't say Joachim, spouse of Anne, Anne, spouse of Joachim, and we don't say Joachim and Anne, parents of the Virgin Mary. Just as Our Lady is that one who uniquely is liturgically celebrated under the title Mother, so Joseph has this unique status, celebrated on his great feast day as husband, spouse of the Virgin Mary. 
What a remarkable statement the church is making here of the dignity of what it is to be a husband, of the dignity of marriage, and of the importance of his particular relationship with the Holy Virgin Mary. And to help us understand all of these things, the church gives us this marvelous set of readings, beginning with the prophecy through Nathan to David the king. When you pass away and your body rests in the earth, I will raise up your son after you. And this promise of an everlasting household, of a great son whose kingdom will not pass away, is something that is addressed in this celebration of Joseph, the spouse of Mary, Joseph, the descendant of David. And so note that the hopes of this family, which also became the hopes of a nation, somehow come to a particularly sharp expression in this great descendant of David. In fact, the second greatest descendant of David after Jesus himself. And this descendant, like the one implied in the prophecy, is greater than his progenitor, greater than David. David had many wives. Joseph has one. David, in falling in love with the wife of Uriah the Hittite, seduces her into adultery and then murders her husband and takes her into a shame-filled relationship initially. Joseph, on the other hand, is preoccupied with avoiding shame, both for himself and for the virgin. What a remarkable contrast. This one who, alive long after the earthly kingdom of David has come crashing down to an end, there is no palace within which David and his heirs reside anymore. There is no royal authority on earth that the heirs of David possess anymore. Joseph is a carpenter, living not in Jerusalem, but in half-pagan Galilee, in Nazareth. How far we've come from that promise of a house and a dynasty that will never pass away. And yet it is this descendant of David, who in earthly terms is so much less than his great predecessor, the one who slew Goliath, the one who ruled, the one who we hear was a man after the Lord's own heart, and yet capable of falling so terribly. And then there's this Joseph, anonymous, humble, silent, living not in the center of power, but off in the margins, working as a laborer with his hands. And we hear that he too has been betrothed, that he too has a wife. But there's a hesitation with this Joseph. And note how beautiful this is. Today is March 20th. 
At the end of the week, we celebrate March 25th, the Annunciation of the Lord. Just like first Mary and Joseph are betrothed to be husband and wife, but before they come together, the Annunciation happens. And so what do we do? We celebrate Joseph's relationship with Mary in anticipation of the coming of the Lord into the world, which happens shortly thereafter. And in light of that upcoming feast day, we have this reading about what happens after March 25th. The virgin is discovered to be with child, and the child is not of Joseph. Joseph, being a just man, we hear, does not want to put the young woman to shame. He does not want to expose her to scandal or the full rigor of the law. And so note the essence of his relationship. It is always one of love, always one of compassion. And while we know, because we know how the story comes out, Joseph is initially acting out of a misunderstanding, or better, a lack of understanding. She is with child, and the child is not his, and he doesn't understand this. How many of our families enter into destructive patterns of behavior over things that are misunderstandings? How many relationships come crashing down because one or the other doesn't understand? And in the lack of understanding, chooses rashly, chooses recklessly, chooses what will satisfy my angry impulse of the moment. But not this one. Not this one. He is preoccupied with doing what is right, and he understands that what is right is not just what is satisfying to me, not just what is convenient to me, not just what is fulfilling to me, but also what is right, what is good for her. What a remarkable example this is. And we begin to see the greatness of the one we celebrate. All too often our inability to understand one another puts us at loggerheads, brings us into conflict. And here's Joseph who doesn't understand, who's puzzled, hurt, confused. And in the middle of all of that, what do we see more so than David of old? This is a man after God's own heart. What is the just and merciful and right thing for me to do? What a remarkable moment. And so he chooses the way of compassion. He chooses the way of mercy, not in a way that involves compromising what is right, but in a way that protects both himself and the woman. 
And it is in this context that heaven speaks to Joseph. It is in this context that he has this marvelous dream, this point of rest in seeking the will of God where heaven speaks to him. And note what the command of heaven is. It doesn't begin with an explanation. It begins with an order. Do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, into your home. Then comes the explanation. But note how clear heaven is. She is your wife, and you must take her to yourself. She is your wife, and you must open your door to her. She is your wife, and whatever has unsettled you, do not be afraid to open wide the door to her. Heaven speaks with this first. The angel gives this message first to make it abundantly clear. You have been chosen for her, and she has been entrusted to you. And now let's talk about why. And so she is with child by the Holy Spirit. Now Joseph learns that heaven is at work in this and that he is called to this relationship and not something else. What a remarkable moment. The Lord never chose David's wives for him in this way. And yet here, the wife is chosen for Joseph. Do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, into your home. Note what the angel doesn't say. The angel doesn't say, do not be afraid to take the child into your home. As if the child is somehow separate from the mother. Rather, receive the wife and you do to receive the child. Note how marvelous this is. And so it is that Jesus is brought into this home. But how? Because Mary is brought in. Joseph opens his door to Mary, and in doing so, he opens his home to the Savior. And what do we see now in this household? The great son of David, Joseph, greater than his ancestor, opens the door to the lowly virgin. And in doing so, he enthrones in his home the greatest son of David, Jesus the Lord. And here is the household that shall not pass away. Here is the kingdom that will endure forever, not enthroned in a palace in Jerusalem, but in a carpenter's house in Nazareth. The world sees not the splendor of this holiness, the greatness of this mercy, and yet here is the regal greatness of the Savior in the house of Joseph, the great son of David. And but note the center of gravity. You are her husband, and she is your wife. 
And there is a great healing that takes place in this moment. The healing of one of the most ancient wounds the world has endured. Because when Adam and Eve fell in the garden, the very first marriage fell. And when Adam and Eve fell in the garden where there should be trust between husband and wife, there became suspicion and mistrust and the pointing of the finger in blame. And note what we see. Joseph, not wanting to act out of an imposition of blame, not wanting to act merely to defend himself, but wanting to act always in defense, not only of his own goodness, but of the life of the one who is still his to defend. Adam stood silent underneath the tree in Edom while the serpent spoke to Eve and seduced her. Joseph is silent in his home at Nazareth. But note the difference. His silence is protective. His silence is attentive. His silence is merciful. What is silent in Joseph is anger. What is silent in Joseph is recrimination. What is silent in Joseph is selfishness and desire for vengeance. But what is not silent at all in Joseph is mercy, is generosity, is faithfulness and goodness. He speaks not a word with his mouth that we have in Scripture, but he says so very much. What a remarkable moment. And so here it is that repairing that ancient wound by which the original family separates, Joseph opens his door and takes Mary into his home. And in doing so, receives salvation. And he gives the Savior a home. What a remarkable moment. Up until this moment, the home of the Savior is the womb of the Virgin Mary and no place else. But now the Savior has a home. Now the Savior has a place. How wonderful this is. Do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, into your home. On this day, by celebrating Joseph, we do celebrate, by extension, the greatness of matrimony, the greatness of marriage, the greatness of that original vocation, the first of all of the seven vocations, that original vocation from which all other forms of human love come into the world. And note how marvelous it is that Jesus Christ who comes into the world to make us God's children by adoption, sons and daughters of the merciful Father in heaven, is pleased to be received as the adopted son of a merciful Father here on earth. We celebrate the greatness of David so easily. And it is so easy to overlook 
the real greatness of Joseph. David had his palace. David had his crown. David is rightly celebrated as a man of God, but if it is right to acclaim David for being all of those things, how much more proper, how much more correct, how much more right is it to celebrate this man who as a loving and faithful husband shows us a greatness that goes far beyond any greatness David ever had. And note then, David himself has an increased greatness in the reflected light of his great descendant. What a remarkable gift this is. The healing of the family, the greatness of marriage, all of these things coming together in the one we celebrate today, that wise and faithful steward, as our entrance antiphon said, whom the Lord places over his own household. It is only right then that we reflect on this with our St. Joseph altar in the back corner of the church, surrounded by a literal mountain of food for those who are in need. And what are we reminded of? He remains to this very day that good and faithful steward whom the Lord has placed over his household. And to honor Joseph is to learn to practice mercy and to practice faithfulness. And it is only right that under the feet of good St. Joseph we have so much food that we can pass on to those who have a need that is so great. Today is the conclusion of our collection of foodstuffs at our St. Joseph altar. And our fourth delivery, we've been able to make a, a large delivery every week we've been collecting. This will be our fourth delivery and it's the largest. Over a ton of food has been collected here for the outreach at St. Anne's Roman Catholic Church in Brentwood. It is a remarkable sign of the generosity of the faithful who come to pray here at the shrine, but it is also a remarkably beautiful reminder of the way that this good and faithful steward, Joseph, spouse of the Virgin Mary, still watches over the household of the church entrusted to his care. Amen.